Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 242. I'm your host, Derek Moore. Jay is taking the week off. He'll be back next week. Lots to talk about, though. I hear, I don't know. I have to sort of help everybody out here with, with how bonds work again. Because I'm seeing a lot of talk about, you know, oh, is now the time to to buy bonds at the low? Or when they say buy bonds, people are talking about TLT, which is a a 20-year-plus ETF that holds uh, treasury bonds. So saying, well, you know, on a technical analysis basis, all this type of stuff. Look, I, I don't know, you know, you're making a bet on rates. You're making a bet on interest rates when you're you're getting into these discussions. So I want to just explain maybe demystify a little bit what it is that people think they are they're buying what they think will happen and the idea of what really will happen it, it really comes down to rates you can talk about inflation uh, econ pi the the site that i watch a little bit for uh, as they put things into quadrants they look at uh, where the economy is going as far as different indicators and then we have to talk about volatility. And then I, I do have a good recommendation, but I'll, I'll save that for later. All right. First things first, when everybody knows that bonds are getting hammered, they're getting hammered because it's the old thing. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Why is that? First, the value of a bond is derived two ways. It's the present value of all the cash flows and the cash flows of the interest payments that are made. So let's say you have a 30-year bond, and over the next 30 years here, I'm going to pull, here's the example I'll use. This is a great one. So this bond was issued May 15th of 2020. It was a 30-year bond, and it matured 515 of 2050, so 30 years. It came out at a coupon rate of 1.25%. So that means every year on, and if you buy this bond, if you bought it, let's say, fresh off the rack at $1,000, it's going to mature at $1,000. That means that every year you're going to receive two payments of uh, $6.25. So, you know, $12.50 a year. Why? Because it's 1.25% on a $1,000 face value bond. Great. Okay. You're going to get that for the next 30 years. Then that bond, though, because the required rate or the, the interest rate on, on, you know, equal duration bonds, because now it's a couple of years later, it's, uh, it doesn't have 30 years. It has you know, 26 and a half years left. But equal bonds in, in the market, uh, in fact, the yield to maturity on this bond right now is 4.82%. The value of this bond has gone from $1,000 down to $468.02. That's a 53.2% decline. Why is that? Because as rates go up, bond prices go down. The value of a bond is derived two ways. It's simply all those $12.50 payments you're going to get, the $6.25 every six months. Over the, from now until 2050, you're sort of getting these. But everybody knows that, hey, give me a dollar today. Great. It's worth a dollar. But if you say, I'll give you a dollar, that's awesome. Where's my dollar? No, no, no. I'm going to give it to you in 25 years. All right. Well, the present value of that dollar isn't $1. It's less because I'm, it's the opportunity cost. I'm missing out on things that I could have done with that dollar. So 
Bonds are simply, it's, it's cash flows. And then this $1,000 you get back. So you, you essentially buy the bond for a thousand. It's down now, but you know, you get your thousand dollars back in, in, uh, in May 15th of 2050, assuming the, you know, the U S government doesn't uh, default. And, uh, so anyway, so you get, you get your money back. So that's why that bond is down. And people say, well, you know, maybe I can buy the lows in bonds and wow, I can buy it at, you know, minus 53%. Um, what if it goes just back to where it was? What does that even mean though? When you say go, goes back to where it was, you're essentially making a bet on it or people do that are making a bet on interest rates. So, and, and other people say, well, you could just hold the bond. You just hold the bond and eventually you get your money back. And that's, that's true. Again, assuming no defaults by the U.S. government, no reason to think that that will happen. Well, anyway, no reason to think that, that will happen. So let, let's just put this in perspective. That same bond that's down 53% right now, 53.2%, I guess, uh, to be exact, that bond, let's say somebody just held it for the next 10 years, the next 10 years. What do they really get? Okay. Well, remember, a bond's price is the present value of future cash flows. The future cash flows that you get in interest payments and the future cash flow at maturity, meaning you get your, your par value back, assuming no defaults. So if somebody did nothing and they just held this for the next 10 years and interest rates stayed exactly where they were, they didn't change, the value of, bond, of the bond would go up it would go up by 27.218%. And you say, well, that's, that's really interesting. And also you getting the 1.25% uh, coupon or interest payment every year. But then over 10 years, if you annualize that, that's only about a 3.7% annualized return. Now you might say, well, wait a second. Uh, but I get to do something with my $12.50. No, that's right. That's not... I'm not compounding and reinvesting those, those interest payments. But that's when you start to think about like, oh, I'll just hold this or I'll hold it and I'll get my money back. That, that's a legitimate claim. But I just want to make you understand that, that, you know, if you're buying this and you're thinking of, oh, I'm going to buy it at the lows. Like, oh, you know, Facebook was down 70%. I'm going to buy it at the lows here. Bonds don't work like that. So, let me switch over to TLT for a second. TLT is, is as you know, it's a pretty popular one right now. I, I shouldn't say popular right now, meaning, but it's it's in the news. It's being talked about. TLT is the iShares 20 plus year treasury bond ETF. What does that mean exactly? It holds treasuries and the maturity on those treasuries are generally 20 year plus. So you can go to the the iShares website and you can see some of the key facts on this. And what you'll see is that the average yield to maturity is about 5% right now. The average, the weighted average coupon is about 2.51%. And the average weighted maturity is about 25.5 years, 25 and a half years. So a good way of looking at this as, as a proxy is to take a look at this and say, what if this was just a bond? Now, I know they're going to say, Derek, you know, that you can't really do that because this is a portfolio of bonds and there'll be maybe 
selling things or bringing other things to the portfolio. And that's correct. If I just want to take a look at this, though, as it sits right now, what I would say is uh, we can construct this and we can use this. Imagine this was just one bond. Okay. So we think about this. We have this 25 and a half year, call it treasury, and the yield to maturity is 5%. The average coupon is 2.51%. So we know TLT is down actually quite a bit from its all-time high. I think it's, I, you know what, I shouldn't say all-time high. And let me just preface this too. I'm talking about the price of TLT. Remember, TLT, although the dividends were very low for the last 10 years prior to uh, you know, 2021, 22, uh, 23, obviously. But you know, it, it was back in July, I think it was July 31st of 2020, it was $171. The other day, I think it was about $87.60. So that's down from the July 31st high, close to 50%. Again. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Here's the thing, though. The longer the, the maturities, the higher the duration. And I'll say it again, duration is not maturity. Duration, uh, sometimes it's called modified duration or effective duration. But effective duration, let's say, and, and it's on their website, the effective duration of this fund right now is 16.34 years. It's the, the sensitivity or measure the sensitivity of the price of a bond to interest rates, to a change in interest rates. So when you see that duration, 16.34 years, that means essentially if interest rates go up a whole 100 bips, 100 basis points or a full 1%, same thing, uh, that you would expect this to be down another 16.34%. It, it's sort of a back of the envelope. It's an important point, though, that you can't say, well, what if rates went up 5% tomorrow? Boy, that would be a, a big, big change, wouldn't it? You can't just do the five on that. It could be, because every, every time interest rates change, that duration changes. It's, it's not, uh, I guess you would say, linear across. All right. So everyone, I've been reading articles and, you know, sometimes... I look at some of the stuff that's online and these days anybody can post anything and there's a lot of just lack of understanding of how bonds work. So if I build this into uh, into a model, you can do this in Excel, by the way. And I would say I've got my coupon rate 2.51%. I've got my 5% required rate of return. Um, and my duration is, you know, uh, about 16. Uh, when, when I built it as a single bond, it was like 16.8. Okay. So what would have to happen for, let's say, uh, TLT to, to get back to its $171 price? Remember, that's just price. It's not total return. Total return includes dividends as well. And it's a good lesson too, because... Even though the price is down 48.77% by my math, you'd need about 96% or so to get back to break even. Remember, if, if you lose 50%, you need 100% to get back to break even. That's one of the, the reasons you hear Jay and I always talking about why we hedge, why we have buffers in portfolios, because the less you lose, the easier it is to sort of uh, you know get back losses. And, then, and of course, there's the hedger's opportunity. More on that later, though. All right. 
So if you think, and and again, the the TLT portfolio can change, and I'm not saying you should buy it, I'm not saying you should sell it, do whatever you want, right? I'm just trying to educate you on what it is that that you're reading out there, and I think what it is that people who think it's going to get back to break even are really betting on. So if I treated this as a bond, and if tomorrow to get back to break even, what would need what would need to happen? Well, interest rates would have to go down from, you know, roughly 5% on this portfolio, you know, 5% all the way down to 1.28%. And that's how you get back to break even tomorrow. Let that sink in for a second. So when you're, when you're looking at bonds and you're saying, I'm going to get back this, this whole amount or I'm going to buy these on the low, you're making or people are making a bet on interest rates and they're making a bet on interest rates dropping. So my point here is that these aren't stocks. These are derived, you know, the prices of these and the value of these are derived by the required rate for like maturity, like type bonds in the market. And their prices are simply it's the it's discounted cash flows. It's discounted cash flows on the interest payments that you get, and on the eventual assumption that you'll you'll get your thousand dollars per bond back at at maturity. That's it. And I anyway. So I wanted to cover that because, and you know, the, the good thing is, and I've said this before on the show, higher interest rates aren't necessarily problematic. The problem is the, the path and the road that you take to get there. And that path means that somebody who bought TLT, unfortunately, back in July, of, end of July of 2020, is down on a price basis, uh, not, not including dividends, a little you know, close to 50%. So I just wanted to cover that. And it, it's an interesting time in the bond market. And I'll, you know, 94, 95 is, is my best example. Uh, and the, the curve wasn't inverted back then. It was not inverted, meaning longer dated maturities, uh, of especially, you know, in treasuries, weren't yielding less than the, uh, the front end of the curve, the very short-term stuff as they are right now. If you look at the 10-3 inversion right now, it's right around 1%, meaning three-month bonds are, are yielding uh, 1% higher than, let's say, the 10-year bond. But 94-95 is where you know, I remember that, that rates, were, rates were higher, and that was sort of a, a painful thing. Now, people look at that and they say, yeah, but bonds didn't go back down as much. Okay. Here's, here's the, uh, the bonus lesson, folks. Remember that duration I talked about? Remember this. The lower the coupon and the longer maturity, the higher sensitivity to interest rates will be. Meaning if you take a bond and let's say that you just wanted to, I don't know, if you had, let's say, rates at uh, 1.5%. Versus where they are now of of five percent, that duration would have been about twenty one, meaning your sensitivity. Range rates go up a, a point, you lose about twenty one percent. 
if I issue a same bond and, and I'm doing, you know, about a 25 year bond right now, a 25 year treasury, fresh off the rack, you know, 25 year treasury, they don't issue 25 year treasury, but anyway, it, you can buy one in the, in the secondary market. Um, 5% yield to maturity, 5% coupon, right? Thousand dollar bond. It's about a 14 and a half duration, meaning for every point rise in interest rates, you lose about 14 and a half percent. You see what I'm saying? The reason why the losses are so much is because the starting point where yields were so low. All right. That's uh, here endeth the lesson to quote the, uh, the great Sean Connery in The Untouchables. All right. Next topic. All right. Next thing is let's, we have to talk about the Fed. Now, will the Fed give us tricks or treats? That's right. Their next meeting is uh, they, they don't. They sort of combine the October and November meeting because it's October 31st to on Halloween to November 1st. And then the, their next meeting isn't until December. So all the Fed speakers have been out saying, you know, maybe we'll, some said, you know, I think we're done, but we're going to leave rates high. And the back end of the curve rising is going to do the work for us, meaning the higher interest rates get, on the whole curve, the whole curve meaning not just the front end, where the Fed actually impacts that, but the back end as well. They're saying, ah, you know, may- maybe we don't, the market, meaning the bond market, will do the work for us. We'll see. You know, inflation, I think the thing that the Fed is really afraid of is that inflation starts in earnest again. Now, we know that the year of a year back in June was 3, 3%. Uh, put that in perspective, at the worst height of inflation, I think it was June of 2022, we were 9.1% year over year, meaning what was the the basket of stuff, according to the consumer price index, a year ago, everything from soup to gasoline to men's suits, whatever, everything in there, and they're all weighted differently. What's interesting, though, is that you have, you know, you've, you've got uh, June was 3%, July was 3.2%, August was 3.7%, and, you know, that's, and September was 3.7% as well. According to the, the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, that is all items. That is not uh, core inflation. And I will say that I'm seeing more and more, you know, the, these charts of saying, well, you know, if you take out food, if you take out energy and you take out this and you take out that, you know, if, if we just look at soup alone, I actually I don't know what uh, uh, soup soups. Uh, uh, let me see if I have it. No, I, I can't pull it up that quick. Um, now, oh, all right, hang on. Now I'm curious. All right, there you go. Good news for lovers of soup down 2.3%, seasonally adjusted percent change, August of 23 to September of 23. There you go. Uh, By the way, soup's relative importance. Sorry, soup lovers. It's only 0.108 of the CPI. Yeah. So not not too important, but good news for for, uh, soup lovers. I will say that uh, SNAP, what's this one? Spy, no, snacks were up 1.5%. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll put a link to this if you want to do a deep dive in this. 
But I, I think the Fed's fear is that kind of give, give you an example. I think it's really hard. It's going to be hard, harder to get to 2% than it was from getting to nine down to five, let's say, and five down to three, seven, where we are. And it reminds me of my years running marathons and, and Ironman triathlons and things like that, that people used to, you know, I, I tell people, let's say my, my race time and a half marathon. And they'd say, well, you know, oh, you're really close to such and such. And, and really I wasn't like the idea of my, my point is like, like at some point it's, it's really difficult to, to make gains. There's only so many gains that can happen. So yeah, I mean, we can get, we can get to 2%. Sure. I don't know what will happen. I, but I, I think it's going to be a little more difficult to get there. And if we get material increases in oil, which we know that inventories have been low. Jay and I talked about on the last show, where according to J.P. Morgan's graph in their guide to the markets, oil inventories, including the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, have been uh, have been low, low supply, demand. There you go. Plus, we have the uh, you know the dust ups uh, over in the Middle East right now. So, and, and by the way, I I just decided to to not talk about that. On, on this show, I, I had some markets, you know, statistics of what happens when there's different conflicts, but l- let me just set that aside. But anyway, as far as oil, any, any material increase in oil and, you know, that is a big driver in CPI and people say, yeah, well, what about the core? So core it strips out food and energy, which are quote unquote volatile. But I think the Fed's fear is that they don't get inflation down or inflation starts to go back up. And it's gone from three to 3.7 year over year now. So it's, it's gone up in the last couple of months. And some of this is math. Some of that's the base effects. You're always looking at a month, a year ago. And it's also a good lesson, by the way, that once things are, once you have inflation, those prices are here to stay. Those are embedded in the economy. The prices don't go back down. People say, well, you know, inflation's up X percent over the last couple of years. When inflation calms down, prices will go down. Not necessarily. They, they typically don't. They're embedded. And now you, even if you have a small rate of change, it's on a higher base. So we'll see what happens. We're still a couple of weeks away from the Fed meeting. But judging from the tone of the Fed speakers, it seems like they are committed to higher for longer. And, you know, the other aspect that I'm hearing a lot about is there's tons of supply coming in on treasuries. And that's true. The, ever since the debt ceiling was lifted, I mean, U.S. government is spending like drunken sailors, just issuing debt. What's interesting, though, is that most of the debt that's being issued is on the very, very short end. So this week, there was a 30-year treasury auction. It wasn't received well. And when you hear that, it just means that uh, when you think about something is issued at $100 or $1,000 per bond, uh, the bids came in lower than that. And so, you know, that that causes yields to go up because when you buy something, when somebody buys something less for 1000 
you get the appreciation to a thousand plus the coupons, you know, a higher yield. That's kind of how that works. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Uh, and I still think the Fed is committed to hitting employment more. So I don't know. I mean, you just look at this and it seems like, I mean, I, I could see them staying pat. Uh, we'll get a sense for that with the Fed funds futures so far in this whole cycle. The Fed funds futures have not, there's been no surprise based upon what the Fed funds futures. In other words, if the Fed funds futures said they were going to raise a quarter. They raised a quarter. They didn't raise a half. They didn't do nothing. We haven't seen any of those yet. So uh, more to come on that. Last thing I'll, I'll just mention is we watch volatility quite a bit. And VIX close to, to 20 on Friday. And the VIX was, was back over 100. In fact, the VIX is the highest level it's been since August. So VIX is sort of the VIX of the VIX. It's how pricey are the options on the VIX. Now, here's my public service announcement for everyone out there. There is no way to trade the spot VIX. The VIX index that you see on CNBC is not tradable. The options are not on that VIX either. The options that you see are on futures. This is a big mistake that I see, you know, a lot of stuff out there as well. And yeah, so somebody buying like a, a January VIX option is not buying an option on the VIX, the, the VIX index. They're buying an option on a future that most likely expires in, in, uh, in January. So not, not the spot fix. So these are interesting levels because typically VIX over 100 is significant. And what it's sort of telling us is that the market is pricing in additional volatility. The market's pricing in uh, more of a range in what we're seeing in the pricing, let's say the S&P 500 index. So as you see that come into the market, option premiums are lifted. When option premiums are lifted, the market is pricing in the chance for higher moves. So we'll see if we get any sort of uh, additional increase in the VIX. Uh, but I thought it was, uh, not, remarkable is not the right word, but it was significant, the VIX going, or the VIX going over 100. Last thing is going to be earnings. And we always say that earnings really drive the long-term performance of markets. And th this quarter is supposed to be, it's forecasted to be a, a gain. And we say gain, you know, it's it's year-over-year -year gain. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's forecasted to be something like 2.3%. So far, 32 companies have reported, including some of the big financials. And they, I think 85% of those beat their earnings estimates. The estimate for 2023 right now for the full year, fiscal year, is $220.46. But then in perspective, last year, 2022 full year, it was $218.09. When I say that, you're thinking about this is on the S&P 500. So all the companies, if you did it on a per share basis, right, that's kind of what you wind up. 24 is the expected earnings is 246.96. What's kind of fascinating about this whole sort of period we've been in, this has really been about interest rates and inflation. 
Because you go back and you think, well, you know, the market went down. What what do we go down? 20-something percent at one point at the lows. Who knows what will happen going forward? That's why we hedge. But, you know, earnings never went down on a year-over-year basis. You know, 2021 was 208.12. 2022 was 218.09. 2022, earnings went up and the market went down. The reason is the the price the market was willing to pay went down. The, the multiple, uh, the P-E ratio went down. The forward ratios went down, meaning people weren't willing to pay as much. 2023, earnings expected to be 20 uh, 2000 or sorry, $220.46. So, and I'll, I will say that Q4 is the one where that's, that's the quarter that's the estimates right now, uh, according to the analysts. And when I say analyst, you know, that's sort of consensus of all the analysts. And this is, I'm looking at uh, Refinitiv IBS data right now. And yeah, I mean, 20 Q3 is plus 2.2%. Earnings estimate, revenue estimate to be up 1%. And then you go to 23Q4, it's plus 10.6% earnings, plus 3.6% in revenue. And then you go, you know, 24Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 is all like, you know, 9.1%. And then they're all double digit gains going out, uh, including Q1 and Q2 of 25. We know that those will, those are going to move around. Uh, th- those aren't those aren't going to stay constant. Those estimates, but it all comes down to earnings, and it also comes down to what people are willing to pay for those earnings. As I just told you, the market had a we had a bear market when earnings were up. Think about that. It's all multiple contraction that drove that, and part of that is interest rates. Interest rates go up. You discount the the earnings, the future earnings to the present, and. It's a, it's a higher discount rate. They're not worth as much. The future earnings aren't worth as much. Same reason why we were just talking about with bonds earlier. So it's always a great time to get a gauge on, on the market. And it's a great time to get a gauge on the market because you get four times a year from these companies. You get reports and you get the, the executives and the CEO making some forward-looking comments on their companies and their outlooks. So I'll be watching this as I always do, and but it seems like, at least if the analysts are correct, that we we're already through sort of this little bottoming period in earnings. And we know that often earnings, you know, the markets uh, early or the markets, you know, sort of uh, moves ahead of, let's say, the trough in earnings, ahead of the trough in the economy. And speaking of the economy, uh, I mentioned that the, the tease early on that Econ PI, uh, econpi.com is a site that I watch. And what they do is they, they have a, a bunch of different uh, economic inputs. And they put these into a, a, a grid. And you've got these four corners, decline, expansion, recovery, and contraction. So think about the economic cycle. And they have the, uh, the medium of coordinates. And the medium of coordinates, meaning the economic, all these indicators th- that they look at, actually went to the expansion quad. Like, I haven't seen that in a while. And, I, you know, this, this gets updated usually every Friday. I think every Friday, every Saturday, it gets updated. So I just thought that was interesting because 
for a little bit, I mean, two weeks ago, it looked like recession was imminent. And then you have the, uh, you know, this econ PI going to uh, expansion quad. I, there's, there's a lot of mismatches in the economy right now. There's a lot of things that are, don't make complete sense. It still wouldn't surprise me if we had a recession, especially now that everyone's saying we're not going to have a recession. Remember, recessions don't have to be very deep and very bad. They could be the 1990 variety. Uh, but I'll put a link to this in the show notes. You can read up a little bit more about how they do that. And uh, it's just an interesting way to uh, to follow the economy there. All right. So I do have, I did watch a show on Netflix called Reptile. Uh, my wife gave me this one. Justin Timberlake is in it. Timberlake, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, it's got some some other people in there. Alicia Silverstone. Haven't seen her in anything in a while. But it's it's a little bit of a murder mystery with some intrigue to it. It's on Netflix, so it's it's worth uh, probably rated R. I, I would almost assume it's rated R. I didn't check, but I think it's worth a look. I think it's uh, the name is odd, reptile. I didn't really know what that meant, but it's uh, I think it's something that's worth watching. So I, I give a, a strong recommendation for I'm, I'm giving a buy recommendation for reptile on Netflix. All right, that is all for this week, and uh, hopefully that was helpful. Jay will be back uh, most likely next week, and we'll be back to our usual banner. Do me a favor. I, I, again, I, I hate doing this, but the apparently the way you get ranked, somebody was turning me on to this, is uh, reviews matter on Apple Podcast, And so I've mentioned, you know, we, we've slipped into the uh, – this one service that I look at, you know, you only get mentioned if you're in the top 250 in in these categories. And we've gone in and out of those in the U.S. We've we've gotten pretty high in some of the the foreign markets. But uh, go ahead and, and uh, give us five stars. I hate doing this. I hate when podcasts do this. But hey, I've never taken any advertising money, and we don't run any ads. I don't do any show reads or anything like that. So uh, you know, do me a favor, do that. Uh, also, share this podcast with people you might think. Uh, would find it interesting. And you can always email me, Derek.moore at ZegaFinancial.com. That's Z as in Zebra, E as in Eddie, G as in George, A as in Apple. Financials up to you to spell correctly.com. And uh, if you want to hear topics, by all means, uh, you know, send those our way. All right, that's it. Talk to you next week.